Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Well, good morning, saints of God. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Can you do that? Well, we're going to be talking again about the Holy Spirit. We're really going to look at the Holy Spirit all through this year in a lot of different ways. I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit wants to interact with you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. We talked about last week the mystery of the Trinity, and if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, then I'm going to challenge you to go to our Facebook page or our YouTube page or even our podcast, whatever you want to do, but listen to it again or listen to it for the first time because it's so important for you to understand that the Holy Spirit is to lead us. And the Holy Spirit is sensitive, meaning that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And you can grieve the Holy Spirit sometimes with your attitude. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't have no attitude. Just go ahead and lie in church. Go right ahead. (laughs) So I want to talk to you today about find new life in Christ. Because, see, the Holy Spirit is the very, very one in the beginning where the whole thing starts. The Holy Spirit, in its pervenient grace, moves in such a way to lead you to understand the whole message of Jesus Christ. You see, your journey, when you got saved, started with the Spirit. Your journey needs to continue with the Spirit. And your journey needs to end by the Spirit. I want you to understand that. That's really important. Let me uh, just read this. Um, It's like a story, a beautiful story that I love. It's called The Touch of the Master's Hand. It goes like this. "'Twas batted and scarred the auctioneer saw. He thought to himself, why should I waste my time on this old violin? But he held it up with a smile nevertheless. "What What am I to bid, good folk, he cried. Who will stop the bidding for me? There, someone said, a dollar. And he said, a dollar. How about who give two? Someone said, two dollar. Who give three? And so finally nobody was ready to go on until someone said, I'll give three. Who give four? Who give four? But there was no more. And so finally he said, going once, three Going twice. And just then, an old man got up. He was in back. He came front, took the violin. He dusted it off. He tightened its strings. He took the bow, and it started to sing. He played a melody so pure and sweet, as sweet as even an angel could sing. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, wow. What am I to bid now for this old violin? As he held up the violin and the bow. Someone said, I'll give a thousand. He said, who give two? Someone said, I'll give two thousand. Who give three? Someone said, I'll give three thousand. And it finally went once, twice, three times and sold for three thousand dollars. The people cheered, but some exclaimed, we don't quite understand what changed the worth. And the answer came, 
It was the touch of the master's hand. There are many people today who have never been touched by the master's hands. And so they're battered and scarred. And they have all type of problems and pains upon their life because they haven't been touched by the master's hand. But if you have been saved, if you have been touched, if you have been touched and saved by the Lord, you have been touched by the master's hands. I pray that if you've never experienced the touch that comes with the master's hand, I pray, I pray that you would willing to be, say, God, here am I. I need your touch. Maybe you're of a life today, those watch it online, maybe your life is not what you want it. Maybe you're here today and life is not the way you want it. You're living your life, but is really God in control of your life? It's, it's one thing to know about God. It's the second thing to really know God. I may know someone by their name. I may know them, maybe they come from the same church. But do you really know that person? You may know God's name. But do you really know the character of God? I want you to understand that there is a portion of Scripture that I love. It's found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and new has come. Some of you can remember the day where you got saved. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Some of you can remember how things were different. It just changed you. God came in on the inside and before you knew it, you were changed. You were not the same person. The Spirit of God led you into truth and His provenient grace led you to a moment where you had to make a decision of yes or no. I remember my time that I got saved many, many years ago. I was a steam engineer, and my boss asked me, who do you think would be good for the job? And I had a friend who's about a year younger than me, and I said, I know this guy. We were in competition together in academics with our trade, and he's, he's a smart guy. So he said, Brian, he said, listen, I trust your opinion. We'll hire him. But I said, he's not going to be of age for about eight months, six months. I think it was six months. And he said, that's a problem. I'm like, I'm just saying. He said, you know what? We'll wait. So I was on overtime seven days a week for six months to wait for my friend to come in. But when he came in, he wasn't the same friend, little rascal that I used to know. He wasn't that guy that was always getting me in trouble at, in school. He came in, and now he had Jesus as his Savior. He started to share Jesus with me every single day. And I was not an easy convert. I fought back. I started to read my Bible just to prove him wrong. He told me, listen to what he said. He said, Brian, you go to church? I said, yes, every Sunday. He said, Brian, you're going to hell. Do you know how much that made me happy? <laughs> my friend, who I worked six months for so he could get a decent job in the trade, comes in, a new Christian, and he's telling me I'm going straight to H-E double toothpick. And I'm saying to myself, what? What 
talking about? I'm a good guy. Everybody thinks they're good. Everybody's going to heaven. Well, that's not what the scriptures teach. And so I started to read the scriptures and see what the scriptures said just to get some ammunition to fight against what he was saying. And I'll tell you what the spirit, someone say the spirit, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart as I were, read His Word. Someone say His Word. Because His Word is inspirational. It's inspired. The Bible says it's inspired. It's the breath of God. When you read your Bible, people don't realize this, but when you read your Bible, it's God's breath speaking to you. And you need to be careful that you just don't read it to say, check. I did my Bible reading, check. I spent my time in prayer, check. That's not relationship. When you get into a, and you, all of us have to be careful that we don't get into a rope system. We just do it out of habit. We got to do it out of relationship. Someone say relationship. And so this aspect of the spirit of God starting this journey in us is just so precious. And so I want to talk to a, about a man today who is a very religious man. I mean, he was the man. He really was. He was smart. He was very religious. He had uh, definitely a heart for God, but he was lost. And he couldn't understand the ways of God. Acts 4.12 says, There's no name under heaven whereby man will be saved. This man represents humanity. There is no name under heaven whereby man will be saved. And so when Jesus came to this man, he had a lot of questions. Let's go to the text found in John chapter 3. Let's look at two verses for now. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God was not with him. Nicodemus is a religious leader. He belonged to the religious sect called the Pharisees, which were highly respected in that day. He even was part of the Sanhedrin that made up uh, of the law of that day. And here is Nicodemus comes to Jesus through the cover of night. Now, when you go meet someone at night, what, what are you trying to hide? Hmm? Why did he come during the day? Well, there's good reasons for the sake of his reputation, for the sake of what people will say. So, but he knew something about Jesus was different, and he, he knew something was there. So he met at the cover of darkness. Now, I want you to understand something here. Um, Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees. Jesus really had a problem with the Pharisees because the Pharisees uh, were leaders that put a lot of focus on the outward appearance. Okay, I want you to get this. Actions that made them look righteous. And you need to be careful that we don't do things. And, and it's just not the Pharisees. It's the human race. Sometimes we do things so others can see us. We do our righteousness, our acts of our righteousness on the outside so others could see, oh, wow, he's a nice guy. Or, oh, wow, she's a nice. Look, at, look what they did. 
See, the Pharisees were really focusing on the outward appearance, but Jesus spoke to their hearts, and so they were not concerned about being righteous in their hearts. That's why Jesus called them hypocrites, one who acts the part but doesn't have the heart. Get that? They act the part without the heart. we got to be careful that we don't act the part without having the heart for Jesus. That's what the Pharisees were doing. That's why Jesus called them some unkind names. How many have ever had someone call you an unkind name? Don't worry about that. I see that, yeah. But I will, I will tell you this. Worry if Jesus has an unkind word for you. <laughs> so Nicodemus acknowledges that the teacher, Jesus, the son of God, who's doing miracles, he's saying, you know what? There's something unique about him. And so the meeting goes on, and here's a very important scripture. Jesus sees a teachable moment with Nicodemus. Verse 3, Jesus replied or declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Someone say born again. again. Write this down. I must be born again. I must be born again. This is very, very important for you and I to be born again. Jesus says that. I must be born again. The Spirit of God who started your journey came into your life, led you to an experience that gave you new birth. The word there is regeneration. The Spirit of God regenerated our heart through the new birth that comes by the Spirit. The word here, born again, is only in the Bible three times. How many times born again is in the Bible? Three times. It's mentioned twice in chapter 3 that we're in. And the other one is in 1 Peter 1.23. That's the only time it talks about the word born again. However, it's talked numerous of times just differently. I want you to understand that back then, the Jewish people, because of their birth identification, they were a Jew, automatically felt like they had a place in heaven. It's like they had the promises of Abraham, and because I'm a Jew, because I identify with the promise of Abraham, I have an assurance of heaven. Jesus broke all that. Jesus broke all that. It's plain to see that Jesus is now saying, no, it's not sure where you're born or your birthrights. It's now where your heart is, the transformation of your new birth. Look what it says in verse 4. Follow along with me. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he can't enter into a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Get that picture for a moment. Here is Nicodemus, an older man, and he is saying, born again? How can a person be born again? Can he go into his mother's womb? Just get that picture. Just get the picture. What what was the problem here, Nicodemus? He was focused physically. All he saw was his mind frame wasn't thinking spiritually of what God's trying to do. He's thinking physically. 
Let's, let, me, let me share this with you. When you think physically and you look at a problem and all you see from that problem is you, how you look at it horizontally, physically. You see a problem and you try to figure it out physically, not spiritually. You don't involve the divine. No, you're only looking at the problem through an earthly set of eyes. And that's how uh, uh, Nicodemus was. He was looking at this through an earthly set of eyes and said, born again, how can that happen? Can, can I, being old, enter into my mother's womb to be born again? Absolutely not. That's not what Jesus is talking about. But this is what we do in life. We look at our problems. We look at our situations. And instead of looking at what God said or what God said can happen or the possibilities, we just say, ah, you know, through human understanding, that's how we live. We don't have that spiritual aspect. He has no idea whatsoever what God is talking about. And Jesus then communicates to him and says this, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. I, I want you to get that this is important because we take our salvation sometimes for granted. Oh, how long have you been saved? I've been saved since Statue of Liberty with a little girl. And I want you and I to know that your salvation brought by the Spirit of God was a beginning part that God wants to continue to work with you by the power of the Spirit. Someone say power of the Spirit. You need to recognize that there's something greater that God wants you to do. We understand the Trinity exists. We talked about that last week. This week, I want you to know that God starts this new birth through the power of the Spirit of God working out God's work in your life. Truth opens our eyes to receive truth. That's what the Spirit of God is. Opens our eyes. But sometimes we get so stuck in our ways, so stuck in our thinking, and we want to, we critique other, everybody in our, in, our, uh, in, our, in our, I say my inner voice. But the reality is we're all still learning. And it's good for you to say, I'm still learning. Good. I'm still learning. Say it. I'm still the problem is sometimes... We shut it down with attitudes, but the Spirit of God is always speaking to, to lead us into truth. But if we just go ahead and do what Nicodemus did, just think about everything through human eyes and don't get spiritual eyes, you'll never see what God's trying to do. I don't care if you're 170 here this morning. And nobody's here 170. I, I think I'm right on that one. You may feel 170, but you're not that. What am I trying to say? You need to recognize no matter what level you're at, younger, older, God is trying to do something in you, but you have to be careful that you bring the spirit into the equation and don't think everything through human understanding. Don't think everything through your own ways. You know, sometimes we're so stuck in our own ways, we, God, can, God can't even speak. And I'm going to show you a perfect example of that in a little bit. This is important. No one can enter the kingdom unless, unless he's born of water and born of spirit. Now, there's a lot of um, beliefs here, and I'm going to give you mine after all my study. Most people connect this to a portion found in Ezekiel. I don't see it whatsoever. I believe this is talking about a spiritual birth, which is the water from when you're being born 
in the ambionic fluid, and then a spiritual birth. I see that more clear than all the other stuff that people want to somehow attach to this aspect. And I'll tell you why I see that. It's right coming up shortly. But it says this here. God, unless born of water and spirit, flesh gives birth to flesh. That's what happens when you have a baby. As cute as they are. Well, they're not so cute when they first come out. Okay, let me just be honest. Right? Come on. We, we know that, right? After they get all cleaned up and everything like this, oh, they look a little better. <laughs> But the reality is flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. This is what changes you. You're changed because of the power of the spirit that now works in you. And you should be changing on a continuous basis. If you're staying the same and you haven't changed, then someone is stopping the growth. Because Jesus is all about growth. And if you're not, you do not feel that you're spiritually growing, it has only one person plays a part in that. One person. You know who that person is? Someone say, it's me. It's you. Because the Spirit of God wants to continue to lead you into truth. Amen? Come on now. So in order for our truth to grow, we have to put ourselves in the place that God's Spirit can speak to us, lead us, teach us, help us. And so here we have this understanding that the only thing that comes from flesh is flesh. But the thing that comes from the Spirit is produced by the Spirit. That's the transformation of a human soul. I remember, I'll use my brother, but I was the same way, and you could probably recognize this. When you got saved, I mean, when you got saved, did, did everything in the world look different? When my brother got saved, uh, he had some problems with drugs and stuff. And when he got saved, he looked at trees and saw the same tree that he'd seen all the time. And look at that tree. That tree's beautiful. Because he was seeing everything through a new set of eyes. Saints of God, can I challenge you for a second? Be careful that you don't start to see things all through the same set of eyes. Because the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. And sometimes we just take so much for granted that God has given to us. And we do not see it through spiritual eyes. We see it through earthly eyes. And we do not go, wow, God, enough. Thank you, God, enough for even the little things. Because the Spirit of God every day wants to show us something new. But you, your control, you have control of where you put your ship, how your ship drives. It's not just Jesus that has the wheel. You have the wheel as well. It's a teamwork. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any individual is in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. What a powerful portion of Scripture. Now, if God changed you back then and you were excited when you first got saved, let me ask you a question. Are you still excited? I think me, this is me, may not be you, and that's okay, but I'm more excited about what God has done in my life even now. I can't wait for what God's going to continue to do now that I'm 30. Why do you laugh when I say that? Do you know I think I'm 30? I shave. Don't I at least look near there? Maybe. <laughs> that would be the, that would, that would help. Look at verse 7 and 8 says, You should not be surprised by my saying, Nicodemus, you must be born again. 
The wind blows wherever it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is it with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, you've got to get this. This is great, because when wind blows, and we just had some wind blowing, right? My, was that cold. We hear the sound. We see the results. We feel it on our bodies. But we can't tell where the wind's going from there. We don't know what's going to happen to it, but we see the results of the wind. But it compares the wind's actions to a person who is connected to the spirit. And it gives a metaphor to say, just as you see the effects of the winds, so you should see the effects of someone who has the spirit of God in them. You're going to see the effects. You're going to see the difference. You're going to see the attitude. You're going to see the hunger. You're going to see the possibilities. You're going to see the joy. You're going to see the strength. You're going to see the help. You're going to see someone in the midst of a storm, in the midst of the process, still have a joy in a world full of problems. That's the relationship of the Spirit of God being in you, equipping you to do all that you need to do. I don't, I don't, I don't just say this. This is truth of God's word. And if you're not experiencing that, that's because you're focusing too much on your problems. You're focusing too much on your pain. You're focused on too much of your hurt. You're focused on too much of all the stuff that seems to be done unto you. But as you look unto God, and God alone, and allow the Spirit of God to refresh in your waters. You'll see things different. You'll see things different. You won't be thinking about what such and such did to you. You won't be thinking about what someone said to you while you're driving down the road. You're going to be focusing on, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know whom I am. I know who I believe in, and I am, yes. <laughs> I am persuaded. I am convinced that my God's on my side and he's with me. The spirit of God that started to work with me in my salvation is still with me. He's in me. He wants to empower you for great service. Don't ever limit God. It is not God who puts the limitation. Your limiting beliefs put you in a box. Because when you understand who God is, who God wants to do in you and through you, you understand God wants to do something great in the vessel of God. But you have to grab hold, grab hold of the spirit of God that started that good work in the beginning and allow him to work it every day. That's when God will show up and show off and do some great things in your life. It's not what God did in your past. What's God doing now? So God can do great things in your future. So many people want to live sort of like looking in a rearview mirror of a car, always looking in the past. You cannot drive your car looking in your view mirror because you will crash somewhere in your today. Sometimes we're so focused on the past that we're not paying attention to the present. It's what you do today that will determine your tomorrow. Your today decisions affect your tomorrow decisions, pro and con. We need to understand the spirit of God. You should not be surprised that I'm saying you must be born again. He's saying that simply the results of the wind should be seen just like a person who's filled with the spirit. A person who's accepted the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. Is that only when it's good times? No, it's every time. 
Jesus is giving Nicodema, Nicodema, <laughs> Nicodemus, just, that's his other brother. <laughs> he didn't understand. He didn't understand. He's just, it's a foreign concept to him. But Jesus is bringing him along and spending time with him. And the Spirit of God does the same thing with you and I when we don't understand something. He wants to come alongside us. That's who he is. And he wants to teach us. He wants to help us to have understanding. But if you're not staying steady long enough to listen and learn, you have to stop to listen. Most people want to talk and do, be a Martha instead of being a, 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 a Mary. And let the Spirit of God speak in his time and in his way and get the heart ready. It's like, it's like a Samuel when he first heard the Lord. You know, he, the Lord spoke a whole bunch of times, but he, he didn't know it was the Lord speaking. Why? He didn't know the voice. You need to get tuned in to the spirit of God's voice, and that's through relationship, relationship, relationship on a daily basis. Someone say amen. amen. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God for whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. God says God has done this incredible thing in your life. He has saved you. He has come in. But it also says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because if you start doing life your ways and the way you think and it's all about you more than about him, you're never going to get to all that God has for you because you shut it down. The Spirit of God is something that you really want to learn and get back to understanding that. He's third part of the Trinity that's here on the earth to empower us for the work of the ministry and to do his will. Look at verse 9 and 11. How can this be, Nicodemus asked? You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. Watch this now. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people, I love that part, but you people do not expect, do not accept our testimony. Do you see the pluralism there? I like when he talks about you people <laughs> because we people always have a problem of taking God's word for what God's word says. We always want to put our slant on it. You know, we always want to put but what if, but, 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 but. Nicodemus doesn't understand, and Jesus responds, wait a minute, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of the law, and you don't understand what I'm saying to you. Don't you understand what, what I did in the Old Testament? How when the Spirit of God came upon different people in the Old Testament, how they were changed into a different person. The kings were changed into different people. Prophets were changed into different people. I mean, when they Samson turned into a different person when the Spirit of God came upon. You saw the results of the power of God working upon an individual in a powerful way. And we, as New Testament believers, don't just have the Spirit upon us, but we get a chance to have the Spirit of God in us to empower us. But we're not given the eyes to see and the ears to hear and time sitting at the master's feet trying to understand the journey as we keep our hands on the plow. God always wants us to be plowing. It's like, it's like if it's snowing outside and there's a plow out there, but nobody wants to get in the truck 
the snow stays right where it is. If the world out there and the people of God are here and you got to keep the plow going. you got to get your hands on the plow and do the work. Jesus rebukes Nicodemus, actually. And he rebukes and says, you're a teacher of the law and you're not even understanding this. All the Old Testament is pointing to what is taking place and you're missing it. He says something to Nicodemus that I have used so often to people. And it's found in this portion of scripture right here. Jesus says, I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you heavenly things? He, Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, I, I'm telling you simple things right now, Nicodemus, and you can't comprehend it. How can you comprehend if I tell you something, oh, something heavenly? You know, I want you to understand, the finite mind can't understand the infancy of God, the, the greatness of God. But God gives us simple things and we fight. I want to just say this. I'll challenge all of us here. All of us. Me, you, all of us here. How much do you know about God and how much are you doing? What do you do percentage of what you know about God? We're all in trouble. I think we know way too much than what we do. This is a powerful portion of scripture that communicates a message to people to understand that God's telling us, and people want to say, where, where did God come from? I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. How many have ever heard someone ask you, hey, where's God come from? One of the greatest questions. It's a good question. I, I take them right back to here. I said, listen, God told you simple things and we don't even understand it. How can we understand Eternal things. How can we understand God? How can this finite mind understand God? And, and, and if our finite mind could understand God, then God don't, God's not that big. If me and you, finite, we don't even know where our next breath comes from. The only thing we own is that one breath in our nostrils. We have very little control over anything. We're so big, you get a little tiny virus or a little tiny cell come into our body. Little tiny can't even see it. Come into our body, and it can kill us. Very simple. We're very fragile beings. Very fragile. If it wasn't for God, almighty, maker of things seen and unseen. Oh, don't get me going, saints. If it wasn't for God, being who God is. If it wasn't for God saying who he is and what he has done. Oh, come on. If it wasn't for God showing up and showing off over here and over there. If it wasn't for God's faithfulness, where would you be? We'd be in trouble. But God is faithful. I love that portion of scripture. I tell you earthly things and you don't believe me. These are simple earthly things. These things you should catch, catch because they're, they're earthly. They're understandable. But you're not getting it. How can I tell you heavenly things? So you don't know about some things about God. We know about God just what we need to know about God. But one day, someone say one day. The Bible says we're going to see him as he is. What a day that will be. When Jesus, we shall see. Mm. If that don't put a smile on your face, your wood is all wet. Let me give you an example, first of all, two. From Romans chapter 1, the Bible says that since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature has been clearly seen. Someone say clearly seen. 
clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that man, humanity, is without excuse. Meaning, God has created all this beauty all around us. We talked about it a little bit last week. All this beauty, and yet people are still trying to deny God's existence. But God says, there's no excuse. You've seen so much. And if you can't see what's there, you'll never see what you can't see. How about this illustration here? This will help you out, I hope. I was thinking, I was talking to the Lord, and I said, God, what's a good illustration of of you giving truth and we as people being like Nicodemus can't get it, can't understand it because we want to think horizontal. We don't want to think vertical. We don't want to see the spiritual eyes. We just see things all through fleshly eyes. It's got to make sense for us. And God quickly brought me Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest. He was a father of John the Baptist. And he went in two times a day. He was picked to do incense offering in the holy place. And while he was there one day, an angel showed up. And the angel said to him, Zacharias, your prayer has been heard. And said, you and your wife are going to have a child. And he's going to be great. And he gave him a whole list. I, I want you to understand, he's alone in the temple. An angel shows up. Someone said, an angel shows up. I want you to get this now. An angel shows up. And when the angel shows up, all of a sudden, he's hearing from this angel. And the angel's proclaiming and telling him about a prayer that he never even talked to the angel about. The angel's telling him about his prayer that him and his wife wanted a baby. And now he said, it's going to happen. And he's going to be great and use and be a forerunner of the Messiah. What does Zacharias say? I don't can't happen. We're too old to have a baby. What was he doing? Thinking human understanding. Thinking human understanding. Not, not eyes of the, of the heavens. Not eternal eyes annoying like, I got an angel in front of me telling me what's going to happen. You would think if an angel showed up and said something to you, would you believe it? I want to say, I'm, I think I would. Yeah, yeah. I think I would 100% believe it. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. But he didn't. All he could see is his own understanding, just like Nicodemus, a religious man, knowing the scripture, part of that Sanhedrin, being well-respected, a lover of God, but not understanding the plan of God. And guess what? Zac- 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 um, Zac- Zacchaeus... Zechariah Zechariah was struck deaf because he didn't believe. He had unbelief. I, I want you to get this. The Spirit of God started a work. We need to understand the Spirit of God, what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. Let me share this with you. The little boy was flying a kite one day, and the wind was really windy, and so the kite just went high in the air, just went high in the air. It went so high that it finally got out of sight. And when it got out of sight, there was, a, there was a, an older man who watched the boy flying a kite. And, and so he went up, to the, went up to the boy and said, hey, what, how you doing? He said, I'm doing great. He said, um, uh, but where's your kite? He said, it's really high up there. And the man simply just said, are you sure it's there? He says, oh, yeah, mister. I can feel that he's there. I can feel it there. We need to understand that 
We're like the kite sometimes. Sometimes life gets in the clouds and we don't always have anything. But because we have a relationship with Jesus, we can sense the presence of God in our life. And although other people won't see it, and other people may criticize you and stuff, because you're still carrying a joy, you're still believing, you're still trusting in the midst, and people like Job's wife, why don't you curse God and die? But no, you're saying, no, 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 I know, I know my God is still there. I can still sense him, he's still there. I'm not sure what he's doing, but I'm going to trust him in the midst of the journey. Someone say, trust him in the midst of the journey. Let me tell you something. In Scripture, all through Scripture, the salvation is talked about so much. In John chapter 6, 30, 63, the God's Spirit gives life, and he's words of life. In John 14, 23, the work of the Spirit that takes place in the life of an individual. In 1 Peter 1, 3, speaks of the born, born again and new, the newness that takes place by the mercy and grace of God. In 1 Peter 1, 22, it speaks of being born again anew and in, with an imperishable seed. And James 1.18 speaks about bringing forth by the Spirit of God, the Word of God in our lives. In Titus 3.5, it speaks of us of being washed by the regeneration of the Spirit. In Romans 6.1, it talks about us dying in Jesus and being raised anew in baptism. In 1 Corinthians 3, it speaks of new believers having to be like new babes in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it speaks about a new creation in Jesus. In Galatians 6.15, it talks about that Jesus is our new creation. In Ephesians 4.22, it talks about a new man created after God's righteousness. Always, always, always about the Spirit of God. What do I have here? And this is you. And when you get saved... As soon as you get Jesus, Jesus, by the Spirit of God, comes and fills up, up the glove, fills it up. And I want you to understand something that we come in, but you can determine what happens in your life. Because the reality is, if areas in our life don't get filled, is because you block out the Spirit of God. You grieve them. See, when you first get saved, God fills you. But then there's a journey that needs to take place with the Spirit of God. This cannot do no work. Even when you, and we'll, 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 this glove will be seen again. This is what happens. He fills you with a transformation. You are changed. You're not the same guy. You're not the same girl. You're changed. That's what God wants to do. He wants to bring change to your life. He wants to fill you up. Look at this for a second, this portion of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2 but the man who isn't a Christian can understand and can accept the things, these thoughts from God, which the Holy Spirit teaches us. They sound foolish to him because only those who have the Holy Spirit within them can understand what the Holy Spirit means. Others just can't take it in. But the spiritual man has insight into everything and that bothers and baffles the man of the world who can't understand him at all. When God comes in, we are changed by the power of the Spirit. He fills us, but he just didn't want to fill the glove. He wants the glove to do something. Now the Spirit has to lead us to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4.22 says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it is corrupt through deceitful desires. 
Watch this. And be renewed in the spirit. Renewed in the spirit of your mind. Very important. Renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on a new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the process that takes place. I'll get back to you. You can hear. This is the, this is the process that, that gets back to what God wants to do. He wants to fill you. He fills you coming in. But now he just doesn't want to leave you with a glove just filled. He wants this glove then to do something. That's the yielding of the spirit. The infilling of the spirit is the first part. Then what the spirit does in you and through you. God has a great work. Let me close by asking you a couple questions. When you get sick, why do we trust a doctor that we don't know and place our life in his hands? Why do people put medicines in their bodies when they're sick, even when they don't know the one who put the medicine in the bottle? Why do people place their trust in a lawyer that they don't personally know, yet place everything in their hands and believe that they will wholeheartedly defend their cause? Why do people place their trust in the mechanic when they take their car to them when it is not working, even though they're not sure that they're going to do what they're supposed to do? Why do people put their trust in the banks and trust them with their money to keep it safe for the future? And that's a good one. Why do people put their trust in a roofing company that they don't personally know Yet they believe they're going to do a good job even though most people won't go on the roof to check it. Now the big question is here. Those watching online, those that are here, since you put your trust in so many other things, will you not trust the one who created you? Will you not trust the one that desires to fill you with his spirit so you have a transformation of life? Nicodemus turned out to be a believer he, he was, he no doubt turned into a follower of Jesus Christ, even though he had a hard time understanding the process. See, when you don't understand something, you just don't quit. Quit is never win, and win is never quit. When it gets tough, that's when you learn and grow. That's when the real lesson takes place. Will you... Today, understand that God wants to do a greater work in your life. Close your eyes before the Lord right where you are. Those watching online, just close your eyes and just listen for one second. Give me just a little bit more of your time. We can trust so many things, but have you taken the time to say, I need to trust God, the one who created me? Have you taken the time to understand that the Spirit of God desires to bring new life to you through the power, transformational power through Jesus Christ. And right where you are, right where you are, you can say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Right where you are, you can ask God to come in and take full control of your life and ask him to forgive you of everything you've done wrong and to invite him to be Lord of your heart, Lord of your being. And if you do, if you do, I'm going to tell you, God will change you you will be a different young man, young woman, older man or older woman. You will be changed with the power of the Spirit of God. The Bible tells us that if we 
confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is always looking for the saint or the sinner to always restore that relationship back. So right now, just make that prayer. If you're here today and you, you say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I, I really want this transformational power. I don't want religion. I want God. I want relationship. And with your eyes just closed right now, I want you to listen to the voice of God speaking to your heart. Those watching, I want you to listen to the voice of God speaking to your heart. And if you just want a new life, born again through the Spirit of God, and you want that, you want to experience God, just raise your hand and say, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. Yes, yes, yes. I want that. Maybe online, you want it. Just say, God, here I am. I want that experience with you, that transformational power that takes place in the life that people believe. Father, I ask right now for each individual, for those online, I pray right now, God, that people would understand the transformational, the new life you can give as they yield themselves to you, as they look unto you. There is no name under heaven whereby men will be saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but by him. Jesus said, he's the only way. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He's the only way. He's the only one that came from heaven, came to earth, died for your sins, and then rose just like he said he would on the third day and now sits in heaven waiting to meet you as you make him your savior. May God bless you and help you, strengthen you and guide you. May the spirit of God continue to transform your life as you give him your all. In Jesus' name. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.